Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of The Darius Show. As always, my name is Darius Cook, and if you're new around here, here's how we do things. I watch a show, I talk about that show, you listen, and you enjoy. For today's episode, we're doing our final review, recap, discussion, and breakdown of Money Heist. If you've been listening to the show, you will have listened to part one, two, three, and four already, and today we're doing part five, baby. This show has been a roller coaster of emotions, and I've really enjoyed it. And today I'll be talking about the final part as well as my overall thoughts of the series as a whole. And without further ado, let's waste no more time and roll the intro and get right into it. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. So where we pick up in part five, we're fresh off the heels of Lisbon's glorious return to the gang. She's been broken out of custody, and now she's actually in the middle of the heist along with the rest of our members. Uh, Following an excellent ploy, uh, one of the most impressive plans from the professor up to this point. However, right after that happened, it gets revealed to us that Alicia has actually caught the professor now. So where we ended that season, she had the professor at gunpoint, a very dramatic ending to end the series off with, excuse me, the season. She immediately has him in custody and is starting to torture him just a little bit. She has him hanging by chains at certain points and she's she's hitting him with a lot of energy for sure. However, very early on, the professor makes it clear to her that there's no way he's breaking. He's not going to give her any information whether or not that helps him or not. Like, there's no getting through to him. This leaves Alicia in a bit of a weird position in the first run of these episodes where she is still in control. She definitely has, like, checkmate over the professor in the situation. However, she's realizing that even though she's made it this far, she doesn't have many options left. All her bridges have been completely burned by the government for her to have any kind of real recourse because she's wanted she's wanted right now, wanted alive. And, you know, her only option is to go to jail or kind of start to help the professor, which is something that we see him kind of tempting along with her and slowly but surely kind of convincing her that that is the reality of her situation, that her best choice is to kind of start working with the professor. I like that this doesn't happen quickly. This is a slow burn over the course of the entire run of the season, honestly, up until the very last couple episodes is when she finally fully embraces being a part of the professor's team. But I just like it better than when when Lisbon, for example, when she made her switch, it felt a little abrupt. Her journey to discovering who the professor was was not abrupt, but from her figuring out what's going on to her fully being on our side. It just felt a little quick, and I sometimes don't believe that for her character. But for Alicia, given the situation, given how fierce she is and how uh, how dedicated she is to her job, I see in watching that slow burn and kind of change for her as she makes the big character shift that we see in the season, I just think it's done a little bit better, and I like that journey for her character, and it never betrays her character in any way. Meanwhile, over back at the point of view of the police officers, and this is from mainly at this point, the people that were battling from the police tent are just uh, Tamayo and Angel. I really like that Angel gets a bit more to do in this final part because honestly, up to this point, he's been very much so relegated to the background, just a punching bag for Tamayo to kind of yell out whenever he's upset. He's taken a big backseat ever since the conclusion of season two. 
And he gets a little bit more to do here. He actually, in the first episode, ends up getting stepped up to negotiator, which is kind of a false promise. You'd think that we'd see him actually negotiating with the professor a lot or something like that. But even though he gets that promotion, he doesn't ever do anything with it. We never get to see him actually be in the chair, which is unfortunate because I do think that his character deserves a little bit more. He's he's pretty cool, and he figures out a lot of what's going on. By the way, if it wasn't clear, I'm going to take a slightly different approach to this review. Instead of breaking down each episode kind of scene by scene like I typically try to do, I'm going to go over larger plot lines for each character, just because this season is packed with so much that I'd be talking here for hours if I were to break it all down in sequential order. <laughs> While I'm on the topic, though, the journey that Tamayo goes on in this season is the best for him. This season does a lot of things really well. I disagree with a few things that it does, but what it ends up doing for a lot of the characters that were introduced a little bit later in the overall narrative of this story is is find a way to land correctly with them. Uh, Tamayo is a prime example of that. He isn't a character that you love too much in the middle seasons, three and four. He's there. He plays his role well, but he isn't making a super strong impression. He's not the reason. He's not carrying any scenes, and he's not the reason you come back to watch more. In this season, now that Alicia is kind of not the leader of what's going on in the tent and tension is rising and you see him unwinding a little bit, I love seeing him just explode in frustration and he just blow up like the little red tomato he is. He is definitely the bad guy and he makes a lot of morally bad decisions throughout this series run. But there's something so endearing about his his short fuse and how he just flies off the handle every time he's tricked by the professor over and over again. He ended up being a bit fun. It's almost like watching Wooly Coyote and the runner, the speed runner, whatever that thing's called, Tom and Jerry story. You know, he always gets his comeuppets and can never really come out on top. And the place that they take his character in the very last episode, I thought was really well, well done. But I will save the events of the very last episode for the end of the conversation, because that is where a lot of the meteor points happen here. There's a scene in the earlier bit of these episodes when Alicia still has the professor in her custody that she ends up calling the gang inside of the heist going on. And she basically forces the professor to admit to everyone that he's kind of failed them. And he kind of forces them. He She forces him into a position where now he's just apologizing to all of them over the phone. And definitely from her point of view, the purpose of this is to slow down the momentum of the people inside the heist right now, kind of demoralize them a little bit and, you know, just kind of take air out of the tires of our team overall. And it's very effective. It was a very somber moment that stuck with me more than a lot of the scenes that this series, this season had to offer. One thing to note is that this season is certainly the craziest season. There is all-out pandemonium that ensues. There's killing, there's death, violence, every, everything happens here. And that being said, our team is working together better than they ever have. And it's because they just got they just got through the previous events with Nairobi dying and everything, right? They were scattered, and that's why they weren't able to really protect her when they needed to most because they were all over the place arguing amongst themselves. However, at this point, they've really pulled together as a strong unit, and you see them falter a lot less, and I really appreciate that. Now, they definitely need that coming into this part, because what we see happen next is Arturo actually get his hands on a gun, and he starts leading a full-on rebellion with the other hostages. This is our first break into absolute mania in this season, because what follows after is him actually accidentally killing some of the other hostages, or at the very least shooting them. 
and he's just shooting all over the place and you see him slowly not that we haven't already seen Arturo unwind I mean he's been the subject of manipulation rape and molestation and drama and everything since he's been introduced in the series but at this point he's completely snapped and he's making completely irrational decisions throughout throughout the rest of the run of these episodes what the way that they really communicate this is pairing him with the governor of the bank of spain something they've done multiple times in since this heist has begun kind of playing those characters off of each other the governor being kind of the straight man who can see the terrible decisions that he's making and he's kind of our audience's voice of reason to point out how crazy and going off the deep end arturo is here there's a specific line made to the audience that arturo you know in the you know, everything is not black and white here. It's all very gray in terms of morality, but it makes it very clear that Arturo is much more of a piece of shit than anybody else on our team. Arturo, along with a band of some of the other hostages, is actually able to hold their ground for a decent bit of time, but that's not enough for him. He starts to take wild recourse against the, the our team at this point. He starts yelling crazy hurtful things towards Denver, Denver being on the other side of this battle at this point. He's saying it over the walkie-talkie, and he's saying, hey, you know, has she ever talked to you like this? She never loved you like she loved me, and all these very hurtful, deep things about, you know, the fact that they've both went, been with Monica at this point. This drives Monica to the point of taking action, something we've seen this character do more and more throughout this specific heist, take more of an active role, picking up the gun, taking the shot. We see this time and time again now. And in all her fury, you know, Arturo is basically ruining this heist, her life, and now her relationship, uh, of which seemed like they were just about to get back on track with. She shows up to the scene and she pulls the trigger and seemingly kills Arturo in this moment. This is a crazy moment because... Say what you got to say, you know, Denver and Monica, they do have a genuine relationship. But at the end of the day, Monica has now taken a life. She had a safe and normal life before. She didn't have a great relationship with Arturo, but now she is a killer. And I I just think that it's one of the more interesting layers of the series that they choose to kind of ignore a lot of the time. And it's that our characters are really bad guys in a lot of ways. You know, this effect that they've had on Monica's life, even Arturo's in a sense, is a negative one. I don't know. It's interesting because the morality really is all over the place. There's no good guys. The police are kind of bad guys sometimes. Our guys are good guys. They're bad guys sometimes. It's all over the place. Uh, It's one of the more interesting aspects, like I said. I just wish that they explored those themes a little bit more because I think that the point of view that the show presents is that our characters have the moral high ground when I honestly just don't agree with that. Meanwhile, we get a very dynamic scene on the from the point of view of the professor and Alicia, and he starts to see on his security cameras Marcelli uh, rolling up to the crib, and he tries to yell out for Marcelli, but he ends up getting knocked out. And by the time Marcelli actually makes it into the lair, she has actually taken the professor's body and laid it down very Sleeping Beauty style. And uh, Marcelli is fooled by this, and he ends up just thinking that the professor is taking a nice little cat nap, and he even tucks him in right before having to go to blows with Alicia, who is just laying a trap for him the whole time. It's worth mentioning that the Benjamin character is present for this as well. He doesn't actually end up doing anything to really help the team as far as it pertains to this specific storyline. 
dealing with Alicia, but his presence is appreciated. Benjamin, I don't think I've mentioned him on any other of my podcasts. I think he shows up for the first time in part four, actually. But he's Manila's father, and he just had ser- he finished serving some time. He's been locked away for a while, and his relationship he has with his daughter is beautiful. The way he acknowledges her identity, even though we learned that he was very slow on the uptake at first, he's now totally woke and uh, is a perfect advocate for his daughter. So he works a lot. He also just brings a lot of charm and like innocence to the story, even though he is a straight-up criminal. Him working with the professor rounds out the trio of the professor, Marcelli, and Benjamin beautifully. I really liked Benjamin, excuse me, Marcelli and the professor's dynamic duo relationship that they started to highlight in part four, but adding Benjamin into the mix makes them a great trio. They work really well, and and it's it shows because they started using Benjamin a lot more as the series progressed on. He ended up just being present for all the major moments, so I like him a lot, and his inclusion to the overall team works fits just like a glove. One thing that's also worth mentioning is this, for this entire part, for the first time, there's kind of a deviation in the structure of how the series is presented, for usually it's, you know, problem arises and the professor, you're seeing him solve the problems on the side with a use of his brilliance and the fact that he had planned for all of this all along, right? And they use that narrative structure to show you how they solve the problems. That's not completely abandoned for this part, but it's it's definitely reduced to just the major moments. And the major plots between episode to episode are really you're seeing events happen that nobody could have predicted. And you're seeing the entire team work completely on improv, which I like that it changed a little bit. I definitely miss a little bit of that structure. But at this point, the way that the narrative has progressed so chaotically, it's controlled, but controlled chaos. um, It definitely is kind of a necessary progression of how the story is told. So after some time where Alicia has all three of our homies in the cool trio captured, she actually ends up going into labor. Now, What's funny is the entire time that this character has been introduced, she's been ready to pop, you know, and I figured that she would start going into labor at some climactic moment. But somehow I was so enveloped in the plot that was happening right in front of my face that I didn't expect it the moment that her water broke. And that really caught me off guard. (laughs) I don't know how I didn't see it coming. But anyways, uh, she tries to do it herself, but reluctantly she ends up freeing the professor to help her out. And this is the the first compromise on her end, uh, followed by a series of other compromises that slowly get her on the side of the professor. At this point, she realizes that he's not a monster. She realizes he's capable of helping in some way, shape, or form, and does care, at least to some degree. So this humanizes him a little bit in her in her point of view. And slowly but surely, they end up in positions where they have to work together. And that slowly turns into a respectful friendship between the two of them. Now, I'm not forgetting that when we first met this character, she was torturing Rio. She's technically kind of what what started this whole interaction, you know, is is her her the way that she treated Rio. Now, is it her specifically? Probably not. I think anyone else in her position would have done the same thing. So it's more so the system that they're fighting against here. But I just think it should be remembered that, you know, she was the main villain at the beginning of this. And much more so than Lisbon when she made her turn, she was just on an opposing side. Alicia actively did harm to our team. Now, this is really where the plot starts just sprinting ahead for the finale. So before I get into all of that, because it's going to be a lot to keep track of here, what I want to talk about is 
the subplot that's been going on. And that's between that's the flashback sequence we get between Berlin and his son, Raphael. This is a really interesting choice because we're like I said, the structure has changed for this part, whereas most of the time the flashbacks we're getting, at least most of them, are specifically in regards to explaining how our characters are going to react to a twist situation that could come up to slow them down in their heist. It's flashbacks where you get to see how they were planning this all along. And this time, we don't really get many of those. We do still get a few, but like I said, because of the way that this season is structured, you aren't you aren't delivered as much as that. And what you get more of is these, you know, Berlin flashbacks. The tale between him and Raphael is a very complicated one. I did find it moving. Um, and just to go over the highlights really quick, Berlin reconnects with his son and slowly starts to get him to join this heist life with him. And at first you see that his son really hates Berlin. He doesn't want anything to do with him or that lifestyle. But slowly but surely, and when Berlin convinces him to go on one heist with him, he starts to get convinced a little bit. And he, you know, you see him start to catch that thrill. Something that's said later on in this story is that it's a family business and it's kind of family tradition. And once he gets a taste of that, you see Raphael fully embrace that himself. Now, the major turn that happens here is you can see that Raphael has some level of attraction for Berlin's wife. And at first, this is just a, a vague interest. But what it slowly morphs, morphs into is a longing for. And it's made clear at a certain point when Berlin is giving his son advice. And he says, if you want something in life, son, you have to take it. You just have to take it. And he learns this lesson fully because he ends up stealing Berlin's wife. This is certainly a sad moment, a heartbreaking, dramatic moment when you see Berlin's reaction for once he sees this. He's in the back of a cab and it's raining. He's in the middle of Spain. It couldn't be any more dramatic or just filmed in such a in such a moving way. Uh, Berlin at his core is a romantic, and that even when it comes to heartbreak, everything from his point of view is a little bit over dramatized. Um, but yeah, it, w- it was very heartbreaking to see that happen. And while, while it was a very moving story, it's just, it just feels weird to introduce this character that's Berlin's son that plays a weirdly significant role, but at the end of the day, he doesn't really affect the plot. It, it just feels like they're, they're introducing characters just to run out the, 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 the run of the series. Like it's like, they're just making up plot. So that way they have enough to work with for a 10 episode final part. You know what I mean? I don't know. I go back and forth on it because I do like Raphael's character. I think he's fun to see on screen, even him bouncing off Catalina. I just wish that the way they introduced them, I wish that they had a bigger role to play. I wish that we 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 found ourselves combating with them a lot more aggressively than we did. We just get a couple Mexican standoffs with them at the very end when they steal the gold and then we just get the gold right back. It's It wasn't very earned and it kind of just ran out the plot in my opinion. Okay, so let's jump back over to the heist situation. So at this point, they the military has formed a suicide squad, if you will. They called in this one badass character, and he leads in a gang of mercenaries that he's he's been in battle with numerous times. These are basically the cream of the crop. They're super badass and all that good stuff. The team definitely is very menacing, and as the narrative shifts focus into more of a war setting... This team makes for an excellent enemy base. They're very competent, they fight hard, and they definitely took a lot of the attention. Gandia actually joins this crew as well, just increasing the overall stakes for everybody involved. 
at this point, it's literally a full-on war between our people and this new militia group that's in- infiltrated. There's guns firing off in every direction. There's bombs being set off, grenades, the whole nine yards. In the mix of everything, Helsinki actually gets stuck under this huge post, and it's up to our team in the middle of warfare to get him free or leave him behind. What ends up happening is they have to kind of cut his leg off, something that's totally gruesome. And at, from this point, through the rest of the narrative, Helsinki is just a machine. He's completely stoic, and he doesn't waver for even a second. He's able. He's been through so much, perhaps more than any other character, at least as far as seeing death and destruction happen around him and losing the ones that he loves most. He's seen that so much in his life. And so he's really ready for this position. He's able to assess his own damage very calmly. It seems like he's picked up a few traits from Nairobi. He's honestly channeling her spirit a little bit because he isn't losing his spirit. He's remaining optimistic and and steadfast. And that's something we've seen Nairobi able to demonstrate multiple times. Helsinki has really stepped up to being a bit of, more, way more of a leader than I ever thought he could have. Helsinki's journey from start to finish is perhaps one of the most profound ones that this series has to offer. He's been there every step of the way. He's been charming and lovable at every point as well. We've cried with him, we laughed with him, and we've been brave with him. And he is one of the best survivors to make it through this whole story. As the battle wages on, we actually see Manila confess her feelings for Berlin. We saw her kind of do this a little bit earlier in the series, but she played it off as just fucking around with him. But at this point, where she thinks she might die, she actually proclaims her love this whole time. She's always yearned after him. She's always looked at him in that way. Berlin has no reaction to this. He, It's in the heat of everything, and he can barely process this information that his best friend has now, who is now made a transition, you know, that's an adjustment, and now he has to uh, reconcile the fact that this, his best friend has had these feelings for him this whole time. It's a lot for the boy, and he doesn't have a lot going on up there, so he needs some time to figure that out. Tokyo's present for that, and she's kind of just rolling her eyes just a, little, just a little bit at the ridiculous nature of love in heist. Now, what happens next is certainly the biggest moment of the series to date, and this this even puts a big shadow over Nairobi's death, and that's Tokyo's death. And per per usual with Money High's fashion, this death is drawn out over a long bit of time. But what we see is Tokyo gets shot. We're all running around, we're doing our thing, and she gets shot not once but five times. Like her whole body gets fucked up, and she's kind of she at the, from this moment forward, she's taking her final stand. And the character that we get. You know, starting from the very beginning, Tokyo has always been more or less our main character. At the very least, she's been the narrator of the series. So we more or less have been following her point of view moving through it the entire time, at least more than anybody else's. She's the quintessential character, and it's pretty bold of them to kill her off in the middle of this season's run. I do think that the show takes a major hit after losing her character. That being said, her glorious send-off is very true to form for her and kind of the only way to see her character go. There's even a moment right before she perishes where she has an opportunity, at least the inkling of an opportunity, to escape the situation along with Denver and Manila, but she refuses. Maybe it's because she already knows that she's dying at this point, or maybe it's a more selfish desire to go out in a blaze of glory like she you know, this character always was kind of destined to do that. She said multiple times that if she's going down, she's going down shooting, you know, and she, 
to true to form, that's what she does. Tokyo reminisces reminisces about her first night dancing with Rio all the way back planning the very first heist where they were just about to fall in love. And it's a it's very their their relationship is definitely kind of one of the emotional cores of the series. You know, it's so innocent, especially when you involve Rio. Uh, it's just so sweet and and harking back to those early stages from when we first met those characters I kind of forgot how innocent and cute their relationship was back then and it was nice to see that as Rio pulls up to the scene and without getting too buried into the logistics the, the logistics of it he can see her but he can't quite get to her and he's trying to, to he's trying to widen that hole to potentially help her get out of this situation but it's honestly hopeless at this point. Now, they have a few moments to kind of give some parting words because it's clear to both of them at this point that this is the very end. The final thing that Tokyo says to Ryo after an emotional goodbye is that something ends today, but now is the start of your next life. A beautiful sentiment that they've been working towards from the point of view of the Tokyo character. This isn't a sentiment I've really heard before, and it was just beautifully underscored in this line that that even though this is tragedy, this is also an opportunity for a new life. You know, after tragedy, there there is always growth. It's just kind of the nature of life. And she was able, she knows that Rio will be able to love again because after she lost what was her, her love of her life, her boyfriend that she loved so dearly after seeing him killed right in front of her, just like Rio seeing her killed right in front of him, you know, she she was able to find love again, a beautiful love with Rio, that same love that he feels. And if she, since she was able to have that, she knows that Rio, who's really the best of them all, is going to have that as well. And that, that was made very clear, and it was a very nice note to end her off on. The very last thing she says to him is party time, the quote that they, they've said together from the very beginning. Something I remembered going all the way back to part one is a sentiment that she said to Rio the first time they broke up. I mean, they've gotten together and broken up like five times throughout the series, but when she's kind of cutting ties with him before the very first heist, she says, you don't want to be with me. I'm a ticking time bomb waiting to explode, and I don't want you to be in the crosshairs. Now, I think that this was some brilliant foreshadowing because the way that she actually goes out is in a terrible blaze of glory. It's glorious and terrible all at the same time as she sets off this grenade with herself and a bunch of this the military force she's going up against in the in the crosshairs. Basically, she takes herself out along with like four or five other soldiers including Gandia. She got she got the final upper hand on Gandia. I appreciate those comeuppets. I don't, you know, for my morality, I don't like to revel in anyone's death, but this this felt like a well-earned moment, especially remembering how he brutally took out Nairobi and rubbed that in all of our characters' faces. And it was just rewarding to see her go out on her own terms in such a Tokyo fashion. Again, a heavy, a heavy blow for the rest of the narrative because she's a huge part of what keeps you engaged in watching. And not all, not all of these characters are quite interesting enough to take on that mantle themselves. Think about who's left here in the actual heist. Manila, she was introduced very recently. She has the least emotional stakes out of anyone. Monica is still around. Her her plot line has been raised to the to the front fold of the narrative, but she's really been a B C tier character this whole time. Denver, Denver, you know, it's great to emote onto Denver, but he's just not the leader in any position. And Rio, again, he's a backseat character. So it's up to Lisbon 
Alicia and the professor from this point out to kind of hold a lot of the weighty part of the narrative and emotional stakes moving forward, in my opinion. I think that without them stepping up, without their presence, the, sh- the series would fall flat at this point. In the aftermath of this happening, while everyone's dealing with this news, Monica is dealing with the trauma that she just took. And from her point of view, she just killed Arturo. And what this leads Monica towards is actually really crazy. One of the darker things that this entire series has to offer. And basically, she starts taking morphine and she kind of just starts emotionally and physically checking out. By the time Denver catches up with her, she isn't able to really communicate with her. And he's just getting mad at her. He's like, what are you doing? What's going on? Uh, A very understandable reaction to seeing something like this. But you're seeing Monica kind of completely come undone. What we see throughout the rest of the season with her is she gets these visions of Arturo. And she starts having, you know, manic episodes kind of. And she does it a couple times. She takes drugs. It's interesting to see that Monica kind of has this addictive nature in her to kind of just check out when she's completely overwhelmed. It's something, it's a layer to her character, I'm sure, that she never knew that she even had. And it was just interesting to see that. I've never, I haven't seen that done really before. It's a very bold choice. And she, she definitely conveys that junkie type of behavior very well. Her, her, the actress for her and her character just stepped up in such a huge way in this final season. We, by the end of it, we do see her and Denver finally come back together. They kind of clear up all these misunderstandings and, What's interesting is they spend kind of their final night together before this all ends in a vault, just like, you know, back in the first heist. That's kind of where their relationship started and progressed was in a vault as well. And so it was nice to see that kind of be where they ended as well. Now that Tokyo is off the board, Lisbon fully steps in as the leader. And I really like that. It makes sense to me that she'd be the leader. She does have like police experience and all that. Rio immediately wants he's blinded by rage. He wants to take whoever else is out there out immediately. Ultimately, Lisbon has to take him down. Like she really has to subdue him and and neutralize him because that's not what's most wise for them at this very moment. And it's nice to see her be completely competent. Lisbon is a character who I feel like gets a little bit shafted the more that the narrative progresses. I think Lisbon is her best when she's negotiating. And the only time that we really see her flourish, in my opinion, in this whole second heist, which is part three, four, and five, is when she's in the custody of Alicia. And you're seeing her go head to head. It's kind of the inspector versus inspector battle. I think that's where her value is most greatly demonstrated, where you get to see her being, that's just where she's most badass. You know, you see her put her hair up and she gets to fucking work, you know? And we just get a lot of let we, you know, past part three, you don't really see any big scenes like that with her. And, and I just feel like she gets relegated to the background a little bit. So it is nice to see her step up a bit as a leader in the actual high situation. But again, she, she gets shafted more than anyone, in my opinion, in this series. One thing I haven't mentioned is the cinematography evolves in a crazy way in this final season. Now, I will say each season of the series, the cinematography and overall directing, the type of unique shots that we get, it's always increasing. Each season always gets better. But this one evolves into being completely a war movie. I mean, the way the way that this that this season is shot is indistinguishable from like, you know, any other war movie you've ever seen before. It was really well done and really convincing too. They completely turned this bank into a full-on battleground and the damage and calamity and it, like the stakes are there, you know, it actually feels like a 
full-on war. It's a very interesting choice, and it's, it's one that didn't go unnoticed. It was very impressively done. Now, there's a small moment where the the team is announcing to the public that they're about to give in, you know, this is enough, we're going to stop all the violence and let it end now. And they tell everyone to go home, all their supporters out there. And the response that they get from the public is just overwhelming disapproval. They are basically saying, we're not going anywhere, we're not going anywhere. And we see on display what the effect of our Dali team has had on the public, this rebellion take reclaiming of you know, something towards the government, it's interesting to see how much they've inspired the public truly. And this kind of inspires them to go on their final hurrah for this adventure. At this point, jumping focus back over to the professor and Alicia, they have essentially been on the lam together. They're completely on the run. They're going crazy. Um, They're hiding from the police and all that good stuff. And you see an, an emotional heart to heart with them that really establishes the connection between them. Right after this happens, the police is right on their doorstep, and they both get upgraded to super spies as they quickly devise a way to hide any evidence that they've been in this house and actually hide in the cushioning of a couch. Uh, The tension here is at an all-time high because they have the baby with them at this point. Obviously, it's hard to hide with a baby who makes random noises, and it it was a great tension, tension build moment and just one of the cool, you know, super spy moments that we get from the professor. I love seeing those moments. He's such a good superhero. He's seriously up there with Batman. I can't say that enough. 007 Batman, whatever you want to say, the professor is epic. At this point, the main group inside of the bank, their only hope to get through this somehow, just to make it out of here alive at this point, is to get the gold out. And now it's down to the final hour. You know, There's still military people in the building. They have to get this out and get it out now. Every we get this is a nice moment where everyone kind of comes together and there's a little bit of levity. Uh, there's uh, some good humor where the guys are kind of gathered around and Matias is kind of the newest member of the group. He hasn't had too much to do. He's just there to kind of just add some humanity overall to the team. And he's re- re- very much so treated like the new guy in the group or in the office. And he undergoes just a little bit of teasing and hazing. And all the guys kind of gas him up to end up asking out Lisbon. And they gas him up to make a move on her, which when he does it later on, it's very funny. And just playing with those character dynamics is nice to get towards the end of the series run. Um, we don't, in this final season, you don't get a lot of those lighthearted moments. And it's nice. It's some much needed levity to this dark story and how it's progressed. What we get is perhaps one of the biggest emotional scenes from Palermo as he is putting all his hopes and desires into the machine because he need. this is the final moment. They have all the gold made. They just need it to flush out into the sewage to where the rest of their team is on the outside. And at first, it, it doesn't seem like it's working. And what we see is some kind of breakdown. He's like, I need it to work. Please work. And the metaphor that we're getting here is that for Palermo, the reason why he's so committed to this plan and why he needs this plan to work is because he spent all his time falling in love with Berlin And what they were doing was planning this heist together. In a way, this heist is their metaphorical child, this plan, you know. And for him, it's proof once this plan goes, once if this plan works, for him, it's proof that all that time was time well spent. It means that it meant something, you know. He was never able to fully embrace a love with Berlin, not not in a way that went both ways. But if this plan works, it's proof that their connection was worthwhile and that it meant something in the long run. He puts all his emotions into that, and 
with a, a little shimmer of hope, we see the gold start to come through and it finally works, you know, and now I'm crying, <laughs> you know, key the cry scene that really got to me. I'm not going to lie. Palermo's a character I really did not like going once he was first introduced. And the fact that they were able to make me fully turn around on his character, I mean, hats off. You did a great job. It's not something, you know, I never fully came around to Berlin, even though they continued to show us Berlin throughout the entire series, even though he died more earlier than halfway through the run. I was I still never came around on his character, but Palermo makes a full 360 with me. And I love the note that they end with him and Helsinki and that they're going to actually start a life together. I, I like that a lot. As everyone's celebrating, we get the most rewarding and cathartic version of the Bella Chow sound, song. And it's something we haven't heard in a little while now. It was something that was so present in, like, let's say, part two and part three, something we heard so much. But I realized, unless it happened, I didn't notice it. We haven't gotten it for, I think, most of part four and not at all at part for part five up until this point. And the catharsis that we feel over celebrating this victory, it feels like they're a soccer team, which is a metaphor the show has made many times. And as they're all just proclaiming Bella Chow, great heartful moment. And I'm just upset that Tokyo and Nairobi weren't there to, in, to rejoice with them in that moment. Shortly after they got all the gold and turned them into these gold bars and are ready to take them away, we this is when Berlin's son, Raphael, comes into the fray. And they pull a full-on, like, they really dupe the professor in a move that professor always uses. And basically, they fake that a full police guard showed up. And for the professor, the only logical thing to do was to give up and hand the gold over. Uh, however, he didn't realize that he was handing it over not to the police, but to his own nephew, Raphael, doing a classic Berlin trick. Um, this was done really well. Um, for for all of my criticisms of how they use the Raphael and Tatiana character and how they don't use them enough, this introductory moment, even though it's kind of a they tell and they don't show, I prefer that they showed and, and uh, showed instead of just tell, you know, Um it's a great introduction to them. You know, it's the first time we see them in real time. Everything else has just been flashbacks. Again, I don't feel like they used them to any great effect later on, but that's how they use them. Um, what they end up doing is having, you know, the professors trying to figure out where they went, but at this point, uh, our gang gets captured by the police who actually entered, and they have to give up. They're, they're outnumbered. And at this point, they have to turn themselves in. It's still a part of the plan, winky face. However, this is the inciting incident for the professor to actually show up to the bank himself. Um, at this point, they have to divide and conquer, and he has to put his faith and trust into Alicia to get the gold back. This is a great moment, the kind of handoff between them. At this point, there's no doubt in your mind that we can trust her, and the hug that they give each other, it was very heartfelt. It's nice to see the journey that they went on, and I'm low-key shipping them, but I like the Lisbon and him better, but there's a bit of tension there. I really just like the relationship that they've developed over the course of this season specifically. At the very end of the second-to-last episode, the final note that we get is a long shot of the professor making his way to the bank and arriving there in front of everyone. The masses are there, the police, the military, the supporters of the heist. Everyone is there on display watching. The world is watching the professor make it take his dramatic walk into the bank of Spain. He looks like a hero. And what we're getting this cut with is some narration from Tokyo, kind of describing the professor's nature. At this point, any other time that they use Tokyo's narration, it's to great effect. Her narration always hits, 
but it hits all the much more knowing that she's no longer with us and uh her witty observations and charming narration um it, it again it just it hits an amazing it's it it's a great way to uh cap off the narrative overall right away as soon as the professor enters the scene we it's a very somber note everyone who's all the survivors of this heist are left there on their knees at this point and Tamayo immediately is starting to uh he's shaming the professor in front of everyone he's like look at these people look you drag them into this situation this is your fault you know really just trying to shame him and and bring this despair to him. He's trying to break the team's motivation. However, it's at this moment that the professor says something that's really just balls out big dick energy. And he says, hello, everyone. This is not the end. It's just the beginning. And then we hear Tokyo's voice. He was playing the bigger, the biggest poker game in history, but he wasn't bluffing. Epic. It's a great way to start off this final episode with a with a big proclamation that this game is not over yet and the professor still has a couple cards up his sleeve. There's a moment where Hothead Denver ends up kind of losing his mind a little bit and feeling like, why would I throw, my, throw away my life for the professor? And he's noted as the weak link. He gets removed from the situation and Tamayo thinks that maybe he can get some information out of him um, on his way over to the tent. As he walks by all the the cheering fans, they they're just cheering for him. And what he sees is there's this moment of of clarity for Denver where he sees the effect that he's had on the people and he's kind of reminded of what his mission is just a little bit. It's a big moment for him, and by the time he makes it into the tent, there's no way he's squealing. He's offered freedom for him, his child, and Stockholm, but Denver Denver is a committed member to the team and he doesn't end up ratting anyone out. So at this point, the full plan is pretty much revealed to the audience, and it's that the plan all along has been to get the gold out and publicly announce that so that way the the entire government of Spain would kind of fall apart. If, if all other world leaders see that you don't have your financial backing, you don't have your gold, then nobody is going to have faith in you to do trade or loans or anything like that. It, in one fellow swoop, just doing that, proving that you stole the, the gold and that it's exited the building, in, in doing that, you also destroy any foundation of financial backing that that entire country has. This has been alluded to a little bit, but when, when they fully make that reveal and see how that comes to terms for their government, it's crazy to see. And essentially what the professor's plan is, is to offer the gold back in exchange for their freedom. Because at the end of the day, what's more important, letting a few criminals go free or the entire integrity of your full on country's government? You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a play that he can have full confidence in because he's the only he's the only way that they have an answer to getting any type of backing or credibility back to their government. It's a huge gamble and it plays out like a huge gamble, but at the end of the day, I believe the professor's confidence knowing that this is kind of a, a, a situation they can't lose now. So while passing a secret note off to Raphael, Alicia ends up getting the gold back. And at this point, they're able to make an offer of quote unquote gold back to the Bank of Spain in exchange for their freedom. Uh, professor's plan is going swimmingly. He is even convincing Tamayo that his way is the right way. Of course, when they return the gold, they realize that this is the fake gold. Um, (laughs) So Alicia basically has the real gold. The fake gold is going back into the Bank of Spain, and only Tamayo knows this at this point. Now, what the show has really made a point, one of the points that the show makes, is that 
gold and like physical money is meaningless. It's all just a symbol because we just trade credit anyways. And it doesn't matter what gold they actually return to the Bank of Spain as long as the world believes that it's the real gold. And this is the true genius of the professor's plan all along. It is meaningless. He's pointing this out. He's making a huge political statement. Of course, he is getting a thrill out of it. But he's proving that it doesn't really matter what's there. It's all just a symbol. And meanwhile, he can go scot-free with the gold. And, and, it, and it honestly works out. That's actually the solution. And everything works out their way. Now, before we get to the very conclusion of it, I want to talk about a powerful moment that happens between Lisbon and the professor. They're both locked up and they've been separated from the rest of the group at this point. And Lisbon really calls the professor out. We haven't seen them interact in over a full season now. They've been completely separated for the sake of the narrative. And the, the way that they interact here was very moving. At first, what it seems like is happening is that she is denouncing the professor she's kind of laying him out and calling him out on all his bullshit she's saying that you know you do this for yourself you 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 act like you're doing this for everybody else like uh you're doing this for real or whatever the case is but in reality you're doing this because you're a thief and really this gets your jollies off she's completely laying him out and i thought that this was a bad thing at first you know she's saying that you hide behind this nerd persona, but under that you're completely different, you know, it's terrifying and and you just want, you'll accomplish your goals no matter what. And it all seems bad until the professor cuts her off and says, will you marry me? And what I realized in this moment is she wasn't condemning him, she was seeing him fully. And I don't think the professor has ever been called out like this or fully seen in this way by anyone before. Very powerful and they end up embracing and it reminds us why they're such a good couple. They are a power couple, and I like that she got this big moment. It was a great monologue delivered from this actress. Again, I think her plotline was a little weak for the last season, but this moment was a great moment to book cap their relationship and remind us that they are very strong together. Now victorious, uh, the professor has cornered the government right where he wants them, and basically, like I said before, he's offered the gold, quote-unquote, back to the government in exchange for him and the rest of the survivors' freedom. And it goes perfectly according to plan. Now, to the public, what it looks like is that they're being taken out on stretchers. You think that their bodies are in those bags. They all died for this cause and failed. However, what really happens is they're alive under, in those bags. And I definitely saw this coming as soon as I saw their bodies in those bags. It's a good way to kind of give context to how they were able to get out of this situation. Um, but yeah, that's how they get their freedom. A couple days later, it picks up to them all in this hangar. They're all meeting up and assumingly about to be shipped off into their new individual lives. And this is a moment where you see them all embrace. It's very emotional. Every, you know, we these characters have already come together, but it's while there's guns in their faces. And this is the first moment they're really able to embrace each other and have that sigh of relief. Uh, and they did it. <laughs> Our team won, guys. Uh, we get a nice little touching moment with everyone here. Even Alicia comes and shakes hands with the professor and Lisbon uh, before she goes off to start her new life with Victoria, her child. But yeah, that's kind of the end to this overall journey, guys. Now, to answer the question, uh, and this is a question I set out to answer in my very first episode reviewing the series, does Money Heist live up to the hype? And to answer this question, I would say no. <laughs> um, I do think it's a very entertaining series, but when if you were to compare it to something like Ozark, for example, which does have somewhat of a similar tone, I think the quality in the writing doesn't quite stand up as much. Now, just from a, str uh, a straightforward entertainment perspective, 
beat for beat, the show will have you entertained the entire time. Uh, the characters are all moving. Um, you will fall in love with the characters. There's death. There's romance. The, it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. Um, and for that, I definitely give the series praise. It's definitely not perfect, and you can see sometimes that they're making it up as long along as they go. That being said, there's enough twists and turns, and it, in my opinion, it does come to a satisfying conclusion. I kind of wish that Tokyo was still alive, but overall, I'm okay with that decision because they gave her such a strong send-off that leaving that with that character is just all right for me. I don't believe that this is the professor's final heist. <laughs> I don't think he can resist it. I think everything they've said about his character, you know, he's just come to the conclusion himself as well that he is a thief um, at heart. And so I don't think that this will be the last time he does one. Whether or not we get to see that adapted in the future, that's yet to be seen. I would love to watch a spinoff movie, perhaps. I don't know if we ever need another like season or series to dive into these characters again. But a movie that ropes in Raphael and Tatiana perhaps might be good. Because, again, they introduce these characters, but they don't do anything with them. So um, I would love to see a little bit more out of this series. Um, that being said, if this is all we get, I'm happy to let it die right here. But yeah, Money Heist, very entertaining. I'm happy I did this full series review and breakdown. If you were with me along for the ride, I really appreciate you sticking in there. And of course, I would appreciate any feedback. Hit me up on my email. That's at thedshowpod at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-D-S-H-O-W-P-O-D at gmail.com. I'm also on TikTok at The Darius Show and on Instagram at the same name, The Darius Show pod at the end or no excuse me just the darius show so it's instagram tiktok and you can email me guys i appreciate any feedback and if you can hit me with a follow maybe send this to your friend i'd really appreciate that as well but yeah what did i miss i'm sure there's something here that i forgot to talk about uh of course there's i don't know if i could talk for three hours and still cover everything that happens in money heist but at least i do feel like i covered the bigger moments for myself but yeah money heist bella ciao uh thank you for listening again and i love you